Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. We welcome in Todd Hummel, Daily Item, Justin Michaels, voice of Lewisburg football on 100.9 The Valley, and Kevin Herr, the voice of Shikolimi football and the state award winner for doing that job on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Gentlemen, welcome. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Steve. All right, so let's start with this. Todd, I want to start with you. Pennsylvania is one of the few states that's seen a slight increase in participation over the last 10 years, according to the New York Times article, of 2%. In reality, in the Valley, what do you see participation rates? I, I was a little surprised, actually, when I saw that. Uh, we were just talking here before we went on the air that, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, participation around here, at least, it, it has been down over the last couple of years. Uh you know, like Seals Grove State Championship here in 2009, I think there was there was nearly 70 on the roster, and this season's team 10 years later has, uh, I think it had 45, 42, 45, or something like that. So, yeah, it just, it just it seems that participation is a little down around here. I'm interested to see where where those gains were uh, specifically where those gains would have been made in the state. Which now it brings me to the JV part. How much do, do any of you know about? JV participation, and are there now fewer JV games being played than ever before? Yeah, you know that's something that Justin and I talk about uh, quite a bit. There, there's been a lot fewer JV games over the last, I would say, five years. You know, Bloomsburg's a good example. Yeah. Here, here's a team that didn't even have an opportunity to play a playoff game because they couldn't field enough players. Yeah, and, that, and I know for Lewisburg, you know, you got a ten-game schedule, and I think they probably only participated in about four, maybe five max JV games, and really where that hurts is it hurts the development of the program and again where what will happen is if kids are not getting those opportunities to develop and be a part of it you know maybe the next year you do not see them coming back out and and that's the big thing that's where participation is really hurt is when you don't play those jv games you have guys that are basically blocking dummies all through the week yeah and i don't mean that in a derogatory way it's just that they're there to be they're there to be the defense or block or whatever and, and be the bag or hold the bag you know, these are the guys that are that are going through the grunt work all week long and never get a chance to see the field on a Friday night. Well, Monday night was their night, and that game's gone. Yeah. So now, instead of playing a 10-game schedule where you, at least you see the field maybe on Monday nights and once in a while on Friday nights, now you're only seeing the field maybe twice on a Monday night through a whole season. And a lot of players just don't want to go through the effort for just a couple of nights of playing. Yeah. I, I, I talked to uh, Coach Roth uh, out at Southern Columbia said this, and so did uh, Justin Van Fleet up at Loyal Sock. They, they've gone to the, the Allentown area to play some, some JV games this season, and those teams 
have have come up here just to just to play those games and, and just to get some competition in uh, at, at that level. And, and even at the junior high level, we're seeing teams. Like, I know Shikalimi played uh, one of the uh, Northern Lehigh or one of those came up, and and I know they were coming up to this area at least two or three times because they couldn't find teams down in the Allentown area. Well, nobody plays freshman football anymore. Those you That's know, a great when point. we're talking about smaller rosters, you know, ten years ago that was tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade numbers, and now it's it's usually ninth through ninth through twelfth. We are also seeing a time where in practice, and this happens at the NFL level, it's mandated by the NFLPA, we're seeing it in college, and I'm sure we're seeing it in high school, where they don't want you hitting as often. It's a safety issue, but they don't want you hitting as often. In the uh, opinion of the three of you, is it is it affecting in any way the quality of the game you see on Friday night? You know, I think, Steve, it does. I really do. I think from more of a defensive side with the tackling aspect, uh, again, when you're not hitting, you're not getting that form. You can hit a bag, you know, and you can do different drills, but until it's that live contact and you're making it realistic on those Friday nights underneath those lights, it, I think it really does affect it. That's where I see it on on each and every Friday night is the ability to tackle. And I agree on the defensive side, but what I see more as for the entire play of the game, it's special teams. Mm-hmm. That's the area that's really not seeing a lot of practice time now, especially in the summer months with the shortened season now to warm up in August. You're not seeing teams, especially early in the year, practicing kickoffs, kick returns, punt returns, those type of things. I think it's in the special teams is where you see the fundamentals really fall, not just tackling, but everything. And that's something we were just talking beforehand as we went on, is just with the uh, the governing body, the PIAA, to when they allow you to start your practice, to that first competition in such a short period of time. Right now, you got that first week of heat acclimation. That's right. And then you get a week of practice, basically going into uh, you know the first competition. You are allowed one scrimmage now, one scrimmage, and then that following week you're underneath the lights. You know, regular season. So as far as preparation, it's it's pretty tough. You know, get on the page. So guys aren't really hitting the the peak until you know week eight, nine, ten of the That's high school exactly season. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, you know, the other part of that is you know they had a chance to keep the second scrimmage. And I think they they decided that they wanted the the, expa- the to expand the playoffs. And I think in you know I talked about this in the column a couple of weeks ago. I think in hindsight that was probably a bad decision. I I think that you know that second scrimmage right now is probably more important to to the sport than the, than these expanded playoffs. You know that first scrimmage was always. Um you know, the first scrimmage was always like 20 plays, 20 plays, moving on. And then the next scrimmage was always more like game situation. Now you're doing a first half that's 20 plays, 20 plays for the other team, taking a little bit of a break, trying to sneak a JV squad in there now, then taking another break, and then playing a game situation before you wrap it up. It's like trying to jam two uh, two preseason games into one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the playoff part and when they start. Do you feel that there is a relevancy to the regular season when there are so many schools that get in with under 500 records? You know, it's it's tough to say that there is. I mean, the only team, the only team in our in our daily item coverage area that didn't make the playoffs was was Milton, I believe, and you know they win they win one more game and they probably they probably get in over one of the northern tier teams in the in the eighth seed and you know we saw what Bloomsburg forfeit a playoff game and not have enough people for a playoff game uh somebody in district 11 uh 
forfeited to Williams Valley. You know, uh, Marion Catholic, that's who it was, uh, forfeited to Williams Valley rather than play uh, rather than play a playoff game. So, yeah, I really think that, that they have to, you know, I, I hate, I'm not one of the, the blame six classes guys. I, I think it's one of the, there's pluses and there's minuses to it in the different sports. But I really think, I really think it has not been great for, for high school football in Pennsylvania. Uh, th- that's where I slightly disagree with you, Todd. It doesn't happen really often that no. you and I do that, but I do think it has a lot to do with the six, and I don't think it has a lot to do with the six classification statewide. I think it does in the rural areas, and I think that's where you're breaking up the the single-A, double-A. I mean, I, I look at Shikalimi playing 4A football you know, and, and playing 5A basketball. To me, I mean, maybe it's because I've just been, you know, I'm looking at things historically, but 5A teams were these enormous high schools. You know, they were not Shikalimi. It did not seem like they should be a 5A school. But in this new classification for basketball, girls and boys, they're 5A. They have to go play in Allentown to play their district playoffs in the Allentown area in District 11. Uh, in football, they're a 4A, and there's not that many big enough school. There's not that many big schools in 4A, so you only have five schools, four go to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you, Kevin. It is, uh, you know, at the 3A where Lewisburg is, there's 11 teams in that classification. Eight of the 11 are making the playoffs. And uh, to me, with the six classifications, it really has watered down the level of competition. Again, I just feel, you know, personally, from a perspective of a fan of the sport and fan of sports, is you got to have that criteria where it's a minimum of a 500 winning percentage at least to get in. I know years ago, that's, you know, pretty much was the stepping stone. Things have changed. And again, you want to create opportunities, but at the same time, let's look at the two-way where, you know, opening week, we had uh, Southern Columbia taking on Tawanda. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the score was 42-0 to in the first quarter. They only ran a few offensive plays. I think it was less than a dozen offensive plays. So that's where that concerning point is, too. You want kids that, yes, to be a part, but at the same time, risk of injury really when you got two two different teams at two different levels there. There, there weren't too many first-round games that were really competitive, Todd. I don't know. If I was going to think. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, can you think of one that, that, that you guys were covering that, uh, that was even within two touchdowns? I was going to say, we did not – the only game in the, the first round of the District 4 playoffs that was uh, within a touchdown was, I think, Muncie and Sayre. Yeah, that, uh, that the, is, the, you're right, the, that, all in the, the single A. All, this, all the uh, 3A first round games, I don't think the loser the losers in the games didn't score an offensive touchdown. The only the only score came out of the three teams that lost was a fumble return by by Lewisburg. Mm-hmm. That was the only that was the only touchdown that anybody that lost scored in the first round of that. So yeah, there was there was not a lot of very close games. I mean, you saw Schick and Jersey Shore. I saw Midwest and Seals Grove that week. I mean, they were both mercy rule contests. I, you know, I, I again. It, it, some of this decision-making process was was flawed as well. It just, you know, like we talk about in other sports, these coaches don't want these buys either. You know, they maybe maybe a little more in football, but you know, basketball's opted to. You know, it, there has to be eight teams in that quarterfinal. So, so you know, and you and even have some sub five hundred teams potentially making it well, well, because of that. You're skipping, like Athens. I think Athens and Central are the only two schools that I know of that have that. Fi- you have to be five hundred to play in the playoffs. And you know, and that that causes 
you know, those teams don't make it. Didn't a, a one in twenty-two Midwest team make it last year or the year before into the playoffs? I can't so, remember that one, but for sure what year that was. But I thought somebody it, did. But, yeah. So yeah, some of this, some of this comes down to you know not wanting to. Not wanting to just simply have a buy sometimes, which is strange to me too, because you think Southern would have gotten more out of a scrimmage with each other than they did out of the the Tawanda game. They scored eight on eight of nine possessions. <laughs> uh, all three of you played high school football. I ended up. I did not. You did not. Kevin, you did? Lower levels, yeah. yeah. Well, that, I don't care what level. Uh, Todd, yeah, I did play in high school. No, I did not. Right. Okay, you did not. Uh, Kevin Kugler and I, and you hear Kevin on Westwood all the time and Fox and BTN. Kevin and I talked for about an hour today, and it was this was not a Penn State coach we were talking about. But he brought up a coach that he just talked to within the past 10 days. And he said, it's really hard for me to sit here today and discipline players with portals and things like that. He said along the way, he says in terms of discipline or running them or anything like that, when the three of you talk to coaches, do they give you the same impression that they've had to change how they coach? I could tell you right now from just from looking at practices that I've seen and what I experienced, oh, yeah. I mean, now that's been 20, 30 years. That's like 30 years ago, but there's a lot that's changed. I mean, uh, they, I don't think they – well, I don't really see teams running sprints like I used to – like we used to run. Uh, I, I mean, I, I still have nightmares of sprints. I, I – I, We're still waiting for you to finish the first one. <laughs> yeah, I think most of my teammates are too. I, you know, it just – there's no s- – Screamers anymore. I, like I'm, I'm trying to think of. Well, a you can't. Uh, yeah, I, I'm you... trying to think of a high school coach that I had, even in you know I graduated high school in 1993 that would survive, in the current era, between Bill Scott, you know Jim Bettle at the time, you know Glenn Fogel at Mifflinburg back then. Sure. Like, you know, and it, it's weird. Uh, were you at? I was. I forget where I was at. Where where there was a, a coach screaming at at his players on the. I think it was a basketball game last year, and it was, it was stunning because it just doesn't happen anymore. And, yeah, you just don't see it. You yeah. know, we've had that. Con- we had that convert or controversy around here with with Danville, where you know Kevin and I have discussed this ad nauseum. Where you know I've I've certainly had. I played basketball. You know, I, and I I've been I've been doing this for thirty years. I mean, I've certainly heard heard worse than what happened at Danville and but but nowadays you, you can't say that to kids and that I, I'm not one of the, I hate to sound like an old fuddy-duddy when you talk <laughs> about kids today and millennials and all that stuff but it's just it's a different it's a different time now and, and I think some of the some you know you kind of have to learn to reach this generation uh, I had somebody reach out to me when I when I wrote the, a column about something similar that, that that's one of the things that they think it is causing the participation, you know, problems in high school sports is, you know, nobody wants to practice for, for three weeks in a row. It's a part of the, the AAU thing, you know. You, you get to play six games in a day, and you're not playing games and you're practicing, and that's not what a modern kid wants to do. 
you know, they, they want instant gratification. That's you know? the big thing right there. It's uh, I think that's really hurt is the instant gratification that, that the process, nobody wants to put the time in and be developed and come up over time. They want to be that immediate starter. And if they're not, they don't want to be participating in JV. And then, you know, they'll quit again. And they're not getting that playing time. They'll quit and, and you lose them. So from a coaching standpoint, I think coaching philosophies have really changed too. As, right. as we joke and, you know, carried on, you look back in the 70s, 80s, and even in the 90s. Uh, the techniques that were used by coaches is a different day and age. You know, the way I coach today, my athletes versus when I was an athlete myself, it's totally night and day. Um, you know, I remember being a freshman, my first high school match, I beat an opponent that I had never beaten in my career before. I came off the mat winning by a technical fall. And one of my assistant coaches told me that was garbage, that was disgusting, and you're going to have a long season if you think that was good. <laughs> and today, I put it in perspective. <laughs> and today, if I would use that type of reverse psychology oh, no with way. one of my student athletes, my I would be getting called into the uh, into the school, and uh, I would be let go. <laughs> but uh, again, you see it with sports uh, today. The, the way coaches, you know, the way it is. Again, times change. Um, you know, with you know the process, technology, um, it, it's really changed the game. It's interesting because Joe Paterno, and of course I was a witness on that practice field for, you know, decades, all right? Joe Paterno yelled at players. He never swore. Mm -hmm. Never. Never swore. He yelled at them. He made his points, right? But he never swore along the way. Okay, now here comes the difficult part of this question. What role pro and con are the parents playing in this? <laughs> That's a tough one. That's a tough one because uh, do you want the politically correct answer or do you want the real just one? Wanna, I just I just want an answer because obviously we know about your experience as a parent. <laughs> My experience was was is he going to play this week? I just want to know. <laughs> no, okay, I'm not. I, I, I just wanted. To, I thought Fralazzo was. Did you think he was great, Sean? Fralazzo was great that year. I crushed loved him. him. <laughs> loved him. That's why he was the fill-in for. It's like it was decades ago. <laughs> and that's the big, yeah. The every game thing. seems like a decade. <laughs> With a lot of sports, everything is so subjective. So, again, you know, those parents feel that their child is the best. And, again, you want nothing but the best for your child. And I, said, and I said pro or con. I didn't say it's all con. Okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's one of those difficult things. You know, I'm very fortunate the sport that I coach, you win or lose to get a spot. Um, you know, obviously with football, as we're discussing football, it's very subjective. And, uh, right. you know, that's, you know, from the coaching staff to put it out there but again you know you got a parent out there that feels that their kid is the best they're not at practice every day they don't see the the contributions or the efforts that they're putting in great point and uh that's the hard part but uh i mean i think you just as a coach you got to really you know at the beginning of the season each and every season let your parents know that hey listen i'm doing a job that no, no coach is doing it for the money. Let's just put that out there right now. It's a year-round job at, at any level if you're coaching football, especially a head uh, high school coach. You're putting the time in in the weight room in the in the off season, and uh, you know you, you factor in the compensation. It's it's pennies on the dollar, even if it's that. So the the thing with it is, you're doing it for a lot of reasons. One, it's probably the effect that uh, your coach has had on you. You know the mentorship and the life skills that you developed through sports and the friendships, and it's your way of giving back. But again, Again, I think you let the parents know just from a standpoint is you wouldn't be here if your you know best interest wasn't for the kids and uh, you know I think if somebody's in there for a lot of you know other reasons then they're in it for the wrong wrong purpose 
I, I think the other part of that is, you know, some of the, you know, some of these administrations and, and and school boards have to play a role in this as well. And I don't think. Uh, when it comes to this parent-coach stuff, that, that the, uh, the school boards or the administrations probably give coaches enough uh, support sometimes, and and it really seems in, in this day and age, that, you know, it's the parents always right, the the students always right, and and I think there has to be, you know, I think you have to kind of figure out a, a, a balance where, you know, there's a way to, to, to take your problems about something so, you know, nothing goes wrong, That you know, the coaching is not being abusive. But I also think sometimes, you know, as soon as there's a complaint, you know, it's 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 the coach's fault and, the, and in no way does does the child or, or the parent, you know, lay in, you know, play in any blame in it. You know, we Steve and I used to joke about this an awful lot when when my son was playing, and we all knew that he was not a great player. He would be the first one to tell you that, so he wasn't expecting to get played every day, and we weren't expecting to see him play every day. But I, I did in that time, I watched parents come up to coaches and say, how come my kid isn't getting in the game, or how come my kid didn't play here, or how come you pulled him out here? I just, you know, not that I'm better than anybody else, but I just never had that mindset because I've been around coaches enough that I know if there's a reason they're not playing, it's because A, they're not at that level, or B, maybe they didn't have a great week of practice. There's more to it than just, why is my kid not playing? Instead of asking the question, hey, what is my kid not doing well enough, or what can he improve on or she improve on to be a better player? And I don't think those questions are asked that often. You hit the nail on the head, Kevin. I I think that's the biggest thing is it's, as most parents today, you know, they they want the best for the kids. And I completely understand that. Being a father of three children, I want the best for my kids, too. But you got to be, you know, realistic. And you got to have that trust in the coaches and the coaching staff that, again, go back to the point is they're they're there every single day with those kids, you know, two, three hours a day. So they know what's going on. And, you know, who knows better than those guys that are there with them every day. So as a parent, they need to be supportive. You know, of the program because again, what does it do if they're coming and complaining to the coach or creating a hardship? You know, one, it may it could affect ultimately the whole program because they go and complain to a school board, and next thing you know, that coach is is out. Then you have a transition, okay? And who does it affect? It doesn't affect just one; it affects the whole student body there. And then you have internal issues. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you have an internal separation issue. with yeah, the teammates. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. More to come. We have several other questions we're going to ask of our esteemed panels. We continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Voters. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Todd Hummel joining us from the Daily Item. Justin Michaels, the voice of Lewisburg football at 100.9 The Valley and the award-winning Kevin Herr, the voice of Shikolemi football on News Radio 1070 WKOK. In recent years, is attendance up or down at games? Down. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Todd. It's, it's definitely down. Some of, the, some of the games this year, you look, uh, even when we host them on home, I look across the stands and some teams just don't travel. That, I was going to say, I think attendance might be for the home team flat, but I think for road for road teams, that is where I think there's definitely a downspin. You know, so I guess the overall numbers would be down. But I, but I see with Shikolimi, the home games are still as well attended as I can remember. Uh, the the road team very sparse on that side. 
Uh, well, you were. And what, you see it a little Loyal, bit. Did you do Loyal Sox Central Columbia last week? Yes. And how nobody was there for and there was, for Loyal Sox? Yeah. Uh, Loyal Sox had a, a very, very thin crowd, and uh, Central did not travel well either. But then again, there's not a whole lot of stands on the other side for visiting stands. Well, but. no, but I just I was surprising for a home playoff game how little people were there. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely plenty of good seats still available with that <laughs> one. And, and, you know, I, I, think that goes, I think that's across all sports. I mean... When you know you're a wrestling guy, when I was a little kid, yeah, I mean that Chickalimie Fieldhouse used to be packed. You used to not have to be get able there to wrestle. Five. What Lime Mountain and Chickalimie <laughs> down at Lime Mountain because the gym was too, too small. small. You'd have to go out to Shemokin, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing. Is and as I think you said, Todd, is I think you really see it. You know, from a perspective, I know my parents would never miss any of my events. You know, they were always there. Now has that changed? You know, over times with dual income families, you know, just can't get can't get there. You know, the change in. You know, the radio, obviously carrying more games, you know, uh, those traditions have changed. So uh, it's I don't think it's good, you know, because, again, you know, it, it, the tradition of Friday night football, you know, something special. It gets a community involved, and especially when a team has, you know, a winning season, what it really brings together. I'll give, you know, example this year in the uh, District 4 3A, you know, Warrior Run has not had a, a winning season since 2006. This year they were the four seed, hosted us, you know, Lewisburg, first round of the playoffs, and uh, they had a real nice crowd there. You know, it really brought the community together, and it was just, it was encouraging to see. They had great numbers this year and, you know, had success, and uh, it's nice to see. We saw a situation with Southern Columbia, which has been incredibly dominant for a long time. They were going to play Shikalemi, and then everybody agreed to come up with a better solution. And then it took a while to null it out. Are administrations and school boards properly engaged with their coaches and their players? I, 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 you know, I, I think this set. I think the Southern team is so special this year that I think. I understand, I, but it's more. But there's a lot more going into this than just that question. Okay, there's a, there's a lot that goes across the board here. I, I think it goes to the next level up, Steve. I think you 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 have to, especially in the example that you gave. I think now you have to look at the way um, multiple administrations that make up these leagues and districts, and and the way they're handling things, or the way they set uh, precedents. I, I think that's where a little bit of a difference is. I, I think people's problem with it was was more how it came about and how it happened than what the actual point of it was is is what happened as well. Yeah, my my Me, meaning meaning what? Well, I they means. they I I think some people feel that, that 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 when they did when they when they put the game together that they did they didn't go through the proper channels, and 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 the idea behind it of you know not getting kids hurt and was maybe the proper idea but the execution the execution failed a little bit in, in this example i would have rather have seen it happen before the season yes. started than during the season um, if that was truly the the biggest issue along the way then i could understand that but um, you know my my biggest thing was the conference came up with a rule well it wasn't filed properly well, if the district was okay with it, and the and the PIAA was okay with it, but the uh, the Heartland Conference said the papers weren't filed properly, 
where, where did something fall through? Uh, that That's the part that I didn't understand about the whole thing. That's where I think there was a bit of a disconnect between conference officials, district officials, and PIAA officials. And, and I think that's also the function of how our how our conference is run around here. The 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 athletic directors don't have a lot of a lot of say, and yep, it's and it's admit it's it's administrators that make decisions that maybe are not involved in the day to day athletic activities of a school because you know how you know if you're the principal of the high school, there's a heck of a lot more you have to be be concerned about than than the athletics. So sometimes you know you're getting meeting minutes and this is what you have to make a decision on this is the rules and you know I again I, I think I think that I just think it's it's a little different just because I don't know if you approach this if if this is a decision that is made by any of these football teams you know in any other season than maybe this one what is more important conference or district uh, in the overall perspective, or what it should what it should be, <laughs> <laughs> I would say district. Well, that that will, that that's going to be my next question. Right. Okay, so, so just everybody, just follow my lead here. I'll take you home. <laughs> I, I definitely think it's the district level again. Conference, uh, you have different classifications playing in. You know, the same conference uh, at the end of the year where it's leveled out a little bit more you know i think districts you throw the records out and you know that's really where you're leaving your legacy uh you know we were here on the break joking about you know youth you know youth junior high how everybody gets caught up in wins and losses there and uh the only people that really remember that is those individuals that were currently involved you don't you're leaving your legacy how did you finish in the district tournament how did you finish in the state tournament you know 2011, Lewisburg, you know, had a great run, made it to the state semifinals in football, and that that team is talked about quite often, you know, and that was couldn't tell you what their win and loss record was throughout the season, but you do know that they made the state semifinals that year, and the and the athletes that were on that team. I, I think the conference. This is strictly my opinion. I think the conference uh, has become irrelevant. Uh, I don't think there's any interest. I, I, let me let me rephrase that. I think there's interest in winning it, but if you don't win it, it's not a big deal. As long as you make the district playoffs or you have a shot at a district championship, and I think that's part of the problem. I would love to see somehow, and this is going to take some massive reorganization to be able to do it, I would love to see the conference champion have to represent uh, represent somebody in a district playoff or represent that conference instead of having the way we have it set up now. But I know that that's going to take a monumental change. Well, you know, I think we, we've, you know, since we've gone to this bigger conference, we've also lost, you know, you know lost something that it was splitting it up classification-wise means that, you know, Seals Grove Danville was a big football rivalry for for how many years, and now Seals Grove and Danville don't play every year, uh, or you know, or just started playing again. You know, Schick, Schick and Danville. That's a great example right there. You know, that yeah. that's that's off and on. I, I you know, I, I think splitting these, this conference up by by div, by uh, classifications rather than how you know the old CSC where it was you know Seals Grove Schick and Lewisburg and everybody Mifflinburg and everybody played together and now you know every you know every two years you don't know 
you might lose a rival for a while. I mean, we've been lucky to keep Southern Columbia and Mount Carmel for the most part. They've done a great job keeping, you know, Mount Carmel and uh, the Cold Bucket game too when those divisions split up. But, you know, I, I think we, we've lost a little something, a little something in that as well. I think that's huge for the sport is those rivalry games. You got to have it because it gets the communities involved. And you may not have a you know a student athlete on the team or you know even coming up through the ranks. But again, it's that community pride and getting everybody out there on that Friday night and it just brings everybody together. And that's that's how you build the sport. Which then brings to the next part. Idealistically, what should be more important: a conference championship or the districts? Idealistically. Well, it's like I said, I, I know it'll. I know it's almost impossible to do, but I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see you have to win a conference championship to make it to the next level, which would, in this case, be districts. Uh, a lot of things have to change for that to happen, though. Yeah, because it, nobody knows. Nobody knows what the, what the point thing means. Nobody does. Yeah, that and the formula got harder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it got harder to figure well, of out. Of course it did. <laughs> of course it did, because non-football people were trying to think it up. I mean, I'm I'm trying to create a spreadsheet, and even my spreadsheet can't calculate it right. No, I looked took one look at that formula last year, and that other people are going to have to figure that out for me. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of, and 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 this this remind this setup and what we're talking about right now is I think what we were talking about in the probably mid to early '90s when the Eastern when you could go Eastern Conference or you could go to the district championship, and then there was a point system that allowed you go to the state playoff. Then, but everybody went Eastern conference in this side of the state because it was all more prestige. Nobody went District 4 and then all of a sudden they said, nope, the only way through the state playoffs is through the district playoffs. And Eastern Conference has become irrelevant. It's become, an, it's become the, other, the other option. Well, it's where all the teams said it's the NIT. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> the, yeah. You know, the eight teams that don't make the district playoffs play in the East, end up in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and because of the six, the, the the breakdown the way we have it now, you end up with a one and nine team, or you know, a two and eight team in the Eastern Conference. Actually, but, Schick would have made it last year, right? If they would have wanted to play in the playoffs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, so now when it comes to the state tournament, uh, I was talking with George Landis a couple of years ago. He came over to talk to Jack Ham and me. And George stops by all the time. And at one point, Jack said, how many more games do you have to play? He says, well, to win the state championship, we're going to have to, you know, win six. Okay, so let's break that down. That in other words, 38% of your season ends up being the playoffs. Are the playoffs too long, and do they need to be restructured? I think definitely. I think it becomes down to, and I hate to say this, but it comes down to more of a business decision by the governing body, by the PIAA, where I think you know it's where it's more of you know the the revenue driver at the gates. It's a little known uh, breakdown when you look at the brackets that to the Mount Carmel Southern Columbia game is a District Four championship game, but it's also a first round state playoff game. I was going to say so it's a three A championship game. Yeah, so it's, it's the same so way. It's yeah, side, yeah, right? same way. Yeah, I was. Just, yeah, that's the same way uh, because of because of the way it is. So it's like if your district championship game is actually a state playoff first round game, to me there's something kind of messed up there. Oh, I, I think this goes back to. It partially goes back to the six classifications, and 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 I also think it also goes back to maybe the districts are obsolete at this 
this point too. Maybe some of the, it needs to be redrawn a little bit because, you know, especially since since it's split this way, like there's there's hardly any Class A schools on the eastern side of the state, and there's a lot of Class A schools on the western side of the state. So that messes up the bracket. And the opposite is true in the big schools. You know, all the six A schools are either in the Pittsburgh suburbs, the Philly suburbs, Allentown or Erie, and that ends up being, you know, that ends up putting buys into these brackets that that screws things up too. But yeah, the, the season is way too long, and, and they they you know, I can remember one of the Southern State title games ending on December 18th. So they've done a much better job of of shortening the season. But I still think we flow way too much into into winter sports. I mean, those those Southern kids aren't getting to basketball or or uh, wrestling, wrestling or anything like that until you know until the first game of the season is already being the first game of the winter season is the Friday night of the state football championships and I think we need to get I think we need to get away from that and Steve to to take that one step further you have teams like Southern Columbia that are typically in the state playoff run or at least think they will be on a regular basis and they're usually right they're actually backloading their basketball schedule and while everybody else is wrapping up getting ready for districts they still have three or four more games to play okay so now we've sat here and we've identified a series of problems all right which has led to something that we cherish um, still being exciting on friday nights but maybe doesn't have the same cachet it had 10 years ago so if i were to sit you down in front of the district sit you down in front of administrators, sit you down in front of the PIAA, and they said, look, let's let's brainstorm some ideas. As three people that are around it all the time, what are some ideas you'd like to come up with that you think, if implemented, could help? I, I think one of the things uh, that would help thing is kind of what Todd said a few minutes ago. If we take out the district playoffs and start getting conference champions come in and start your tournament, start your state tournament with conference champions, uh, that might be a way to at least not only shorten the season, but make those playoff games a little bit more competitive. I also think, you know, we, 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 you know, we didn't really hit on the, on the safety uh, factor of it, but I, I think they've made the game much safer, and, and I really think that they, uh, you know, they really have to do a better job of, of getting that out there. That I that, agree. That that you know, it's not the. You know, they're not hitting as much. The kid, you know, they they know about concussions. You, you know, you're not sending a kid getting his you know, coaches know about yeah, concussions. You're not yeah, getting his right. bell rung, getting sent back in. You got to get the safety stuff out there. And again, I think I think I like I said earlier. I think that getting that second scrimmage back is much more important than these expanded playoffs. It's just that, you know, I. I think there needs to be a little more practice time at the beginning of the season, you know, to make it make it a, a better product later on in the year. I, I agree. I think what you said, Todd, I, and I, that's one of the things I just think uh, the overall impression is is education on the safety aspect. Obviously, you know, at all levels, you start at the highest level with the NFL. They've recognized, you know, the, the issue, the problem, a big topic of that CT. You know, again, 
the re um, the reconditioning of helmets being done every year. You know, it's a large expense, but obviously it's the safety, the uh, different penalties. You know, protecting the players. You know, targeting. It's a you know big topic we talk about. So I think again they've taken the necessary steps to protect the athletes. But again, I think what they need to do is continue to push those areas and educate the parents to really you know understand that you look at what are leading causes of concussions you know sport of soccer you know non-traditional sport 20 years ago has really grown here in the united states and really starting to take numbers away from football in some degrees but the opportunity for concussion soccer is just probably just as close if not more in than a football player the concussion numbers for soccer are actually higher. That's what I thought. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that. Now, uh, you know, again, you're not protected up top. So, you know, there are actually more uh, concussions actually in soccer than in football. That never comes up. It's never talked about. But I think those who have railed on the safety issue in football, number one, have done a good job of getting it out there, and football's had to react to it. You're always trying to make it safer all the time because you want to keep the sport as long as you can. So I give the people credit who have brought up the issue. At the same time, there has to be some credit given to the sport of football itself to get the message out there that they are doing everything they can to make it uh, safer because those uh, who are responsible for bringing the points up did a good job to make football react to it. I think one of the reasons I hear for not playing uh, not only football but sports in general is not the concussions, it's not the possibility of injury, it's too hard, it's too much work. Yeah, hit, you hit the nail on the head, Kevin. I mean, I hear it I hear it quite often with athletes in the school as you try to recruit to get them out for sports. Too much work. Well, I'm... I don't have to deal with that. They're already they're already doing work by the time I get to them. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know what? We all love it. Uh, high school football to me, and I think, jeez, um, I want to say, was it you, Justin, that said you know, there's something about being there on a Friday night? Yeah, it just brings the community yeah. together, and that's yeah. You know, I, you know, I use the Warrior Run as an example. Seeing a community, a little community like that, that hasn't had success since 2006 as far as a winning record, but it brings the community together, and uh, there's something to be said. You're creating memories, and uh, you know it's part of the journey of life. You know, it's the friendships and the, those memories that these guys are going to talk about 10, 20, 30 years from you know from now when they're getting together and reminiscing, and it's just it's just uh, something special. Steve, I have I have this, to share this, and I think I did with you years ago. But one of the funniest things that Daniel said to me was, I said, aren't you excited about getting in the game on Friday night? He goes, no. I'm like, why wouldn't you be excited about getting in the game Friday night? He goes, if I mess up, the whole town is there to see it. <laughs> it was just, and, and that was his view. It's like Friday night, the whole town showed up. Yeah. Well, he, here's something else, too, that, that should be pointed out in all fairness. There are also more sports than ever before to participate in mm-hmm. the high school Absolutely. level. Boys, lac- boys lacrosse, uh, you know, and so forth. It's not just the soccer issue when it comes to football. There are more sports than ever to dedicate themselves to. And I also think that you see fewer and fewer uh, athletes playing multiple sports. It seems like at an early age they lock in on a sport, and then that's what they do. So... Guys, this was a lot of fun. Uh, it was extremely informative. Uh, the three of you have a depth of knowledge that was very important to bring out. I think you made it an enlightening hour, and I appreciate the time you gave us today very, very much. 
Certainly. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you very much, Steve, for the opportunity.